This is the King's Court on Arena Sportsnet, presented by American Grappler. I got more swagger than Mick Jagger, more sex appeal than Vince Neil. All guests from all walks of life share their time with the King of Connecticut. They are dreaming of just one night, just one night with a man such as myself. Any and everything goes. I am the King of Connecticut. I was raised with class and sophistication. And now, from Norwalk, Connecticut... Weighing in at 230 pounds. If George Clooney had muscles, they call him the King of Connecticut. The one, the only, Max Granahan. From the gym here, Manny Fernandez, pro wrestling legend. We're gonna get right into it and jump right into it because they just finished, my boys. They just finished class. Uh, we're gonna turn this over to the raging bull. What's going on out there? You know, we got this uh, legitimate wrestling school from Body Progression here in Bristol, Oklahoma. Where I teach my guys that are gentle enough, like Derek Blum and, and, and Jeremy Edridge. If you're gonna be a pro wrestler, I had to be a pro wrestler at Wrestling High School. Learn wrestling first before you get into all that other crap. That way you defend yourself at all times. Learn MMA. I teach my guys. I teach my guys in the ring. Defend yourself at all times. Like you do as a boxer. Boxers don't put their hands down. My guys keep their hands up. This guy gets stupid. Choke him out. Take him down. Choke him out. Arm bomb. Whatever you want to do. Just put him in sets. And a lot of people don't like that in pro wrestling, but I don't really give a shit. Pro wrestlers just turn into a bunch of little pansy asses, you know, like my... My boys saying in the military, you know, I serve my country, not to be politically correct, because you guys are a bunch of pansies. I served it because I'm proud and have fine to serve it. Not like you bunch of little women out there, you know. But, you know, oh, yeah, that's hey, what we do, real brother. Man, 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 I'm gonna tell you, you're talking the language of of my new tag team, man. I got my new tag team, the real. I shooter. saw that. I that's saw that. I'm kind of jealous, boy, man. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of that. I'm not three. I'm 63 now, man. I wish it would have been 30 years ago. We we'd be a six man instead of the three birds. We'd be calling everybody the dead birds because we'd kill every one of them. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> you know, we'd be leaving them on the mat. They're such chicken shits, Manny. We went up there, man, last weekend. I was up there with Stephen Bonner, and this guy was in UFC. He, uh, Matt Riddle. He calls himself the king of bros, but we call him the queen of hoes because he's <laughs> the yeah, 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 I saw that. And in fact, I said something about that to another guy that was acting all bad up there, Jake Zelo or something like that. So who the fuck are you, dude? You ain't shit. You ain't done shit. You ain't done a minute in our business. And you want to talk shit to me? Where the fuck are you at? I'll come up there and show you something. Oh, well, you know, I'm a promoter. I go, oh, it's all good for you. Now go fuck yourself, huh? Like I'm gonna ask you to promote me. I'm gonna put you up, promote me and you in the show so I can kick your ass. You know, man. I, I want to go on the. I want to go on the bus to Snap Next tour of all these of all these pencil neck fans and promoters out there. because yeah. I, I don't give a shit about about being politically correct in the pro wrestling world. That's not how I came into this shit. I came in. I never was amateur wrestling from from MMA from grappling. Billy Wicks I trained under for seven yeah, years. Yeah, Billy Wicks is awesome, man. 
Yeah. They had to come in with these pussies today. Yeah. Now, they come in with some idiot that uh, didn't know how to wrestle and bought a pair of boots and probably made enough to buy a ring and then tried to train people. So you're training the idiots, you're training the idiots, and then the idiots think they're superstars and they don't know the first goddamn thing about anything. First time you tie up, say, shoot the water in his ass, snap his head over and lock him up. He's going, oh, God, that's too stiff. Oh, well, dude, get out of my business. This is our business, a man business. The way I started this business was Murdoch, Funk, Dorks, Terry and Dory, Funk, Blackjack, Mulligan, Sweet Hanson, Harley Race, Folk, me, and they beat the living crap out of me. There was no crying. There was no living. Oh, God, you're too stiff. Wahoo McDonald's used to beat me half to death. My, he peeled my nipple back. I had to have two stitches to reattach it. And these clowns on the oh, they were doing chalkboard. I had you hurt my body. <laughs> and then Goldstein said, get some man balls. Get some man. You know, it's so funny to say that because well, after I got did all that shit and SWAT came after me and shot my nut off, and I got there, my girl called me the one bull nut. <laughs> but at least I, I might have one nut, but I still got bigger nuts than some of these clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it, man. Shit, you know you're talking. You're, you're talking about. Uh, I'll tell you, this is hilarious, man. This kid. Um, I wrestled this kid in Spartanburg, South Carolina, like uh, about a year ago, and uh, this kid was. He took. He, he was crying in the back after our match because he oh was telling everybody, God. telling everybody that I shot on him, and he's crying. And I told him we had Chuck Sloan on, and Chuck was on that card, and, and he actually saw the match. And he goes, Chuck goes, if you shot on that kid, he would be in the hospital. He has no idea what shooting on him is. You are actually just wrestling that kid, and he couldn't counter it. And that's what. <laughs> and that's the thing, man. They've got to learn this. The marquee. Yeah. Says wrestling. It doesn't wrestling, say wrestling, brother. Show. Wrestling, it damn it. Show. It, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't say entertainment. Show. It doesn't say entertainment. Be easy on the guy. Says, I hate to see so many guys get in the ring with Ronnie Garvin, Wahoo, and Daniels. Guys like that, they were tough as nails. Oh, <laughs> Even Eddie yeah. Graham. I got in the ring one time with Eddie Graham when he was first, before, you know, we lost him and did what he had to do. But, you know, for, he was he was a great man, but man, he was solid. He was hard. He grabbed the hold of you. He grabbed a hold of you, felt like you were wrestling somebody, you know, felt like real wrestling. And that's what yeah. I've been all my life. I mean, you know, they used to cry to Dusty A. Dusty man, he's shooting on everybody. He'd tell them, easy money is the way easy money is, baby. You just got to understand easy money. Just go with it, baby, because if you fight him, he's going to eat you up, baby. <laughs> you know what? I used to love that, man. My Dusty first introduction to Manny Fernandez I got hooked on watching the NWA back in the mid to late '80s, and that's when I learned about um, that's when I learned about the Raging Bull. And it's like he is so cool in the ring doing this. But as you guys pointed out earlier, it was all about wrestling. Period. Yeah, yeah. We I teach my kids here at Body Progression wrestling. They learn how to wrestle. They grab a hole. They punish the hole. They go in. My kids have learned how to grab a hole and work a hole ten different ways. They don't just grab a hole. They get it into a hole so many different ways that nobody knows because every idiot goes out there and thinks they, they, they got to do what every other idiot does. My kids will go out there and show them. They work the arm. They can work it so many different ways. The guys go, damn, what are you doing? He's working the arm, idiot. So I'm like, oh, a different way into the arm. Sorry that you don't get it. <laughs> but that's the way Manny taught us. Hey, you know, it's like one guy told our truth, our truth, my boy, when I trained him. He would come to me and go, why is it every time I go in the dressing room, people ask me to train me, I go, Manny Fernandez, the eyeballs get as big as silver dollars, then they leave. 
because they know you can shoot. And he goes, yeah, well, you got to shoot. I said, I taught you that for a reason, correct? And he goes, yeah, well, if you don't want nobody to fuck with us, they fuck with us, we take control. Yeah, we take control. Listen, this is not a game. To me, it's not a game. When I was in that ring and I screwed up, Murdoch hit me so damn hard a couple times. I used to have knots on my head. One time I had 10 oh, knots man. on my head. Murdoch screwed up with the best punches. I'm going to tell you, my, one of my, my favorite wrestlers of all time was the Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. He was right. a yes. man. Yes. Yes, he was. But when he mentored me, brother, there was no, no taking it easy on him. It was a hey, kid, come here. Don't use the rules. Don't do that. And every now and then I try to sneak it in and say, come here. Wow, I said, God dang, man, what do I do? I told you not to use the ropes. Okay, okay, don't use the ropes. You know, there was no taking it easy on me. You know, I had to drive them up and down the road. And, and back in the day, when they started, you know, when I was in West Texas State playing football, not wanting to be pro wrestler, but thinking that I was crazy because I was a Vietnam vet playing football, probably the only first guy ever in college to have a tattoo on me in 1977, you know. There wasn't guys with tattoos playing football back then. I had a tattoo for that guy in Da Nang, Vietnam, but. You know, he'd come and pick me up and take me down the road and him and Mulligan in the front seat and I was in the back with a beer. And then I handed an open beer can, not open, I got the beer can upside the head. And it was a can. It was no aluminum shit. That shit hurt upside the head. Pow! I go, what the fuck? And you open the damn beer for your hand for Yeah, yeah, but you don't have to hit me with it. <laughs> you know, that was, it was great times with those guys. But, you know, it's just like every now and then I have a sit-down. I call it my sit-down with Terry because... Telephone call me. I think it's about time that you stop by. Yeah, wherever I'm at, I hit the carriage. And we have like a sit down, like the mom's and he starts telling me about the business, nice. what's happening with the business. You can't believe it's get turning so bad. You always got to come back to wrestling. It's just that there's so many damn whining ass damn idiots in the business on day that they're not going to let it come. Cause they don't want to get hurt. They want about how they look. They all want to have a cookie cutter look. They don't want to tell. Oh, don't hurt my body. Don't chop me in my thing. You might hurt my little precious body. Man, that's a bunch of crap, man. Yeah, a bunch man, of crap. I, I can't I'll tell it. you what, man. Terry Funk is awesome. And, and I'll tell you something about Terry Funk, man. I have, always have Dan Severn stay at the house here. We do a lot of uh, wrestling. We've been doing a lot of clinics for the for the high school teams and for the local MMA schools. With Severn? And, yeah, and, and he always tells me, Dan always tells me, man, he always says, I love to sit down and talk to Terry Funk. We had Steve Nelson on the show. That oh, my God, up. Steve was, was so awesome. Yeah, Steve is I knew when he was a man. baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gordy Nelson's son. We had him yes, on. Sir. And, man, he, very, he, he speaks so highly of Terry Funk. I'm telling oh, yeah. you, Terry Funk is the man. Terry Funk yeah, is the man. Yeah, he is. He is, he is. Yes, I got Terry is unbelievable, and, and, and so it's like I told people, and Big Foley finally admitted it to me in WWE when I go to take my kids. One thing I respect about Vince, I never wanted to work with Vince. He tried to make me the first Hellboy. His idea for me when he tried to sign me in Rudis, he was going to put horns on my head and come out. And I told me, hey, man, my mom raised a man, not a fucking idiot. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I left, you know. But, you know, they they always thought, oh, man, he's Manny Fernandez. He's, he, he loves wrestling so much, he'll call Ask for a job, you know, I never did. I've never in my life asked him to do anything. He's asked me to go to the NXT and train. I don't know. Don't work for you, dude. I appreciate you. The respect you give me to call you and say, hey, I got five kids. You want, might want to look at me and say, yeah, bring them, Manny. I'm about the only guy that, you know, William Regal, William Regal, William Regal respects me so much. He tells stories about growing up watching me trying to do my wrestling moves. Yeah. And a story about him, how he missed my move and broke his head open. 
in front of all the guys and do that. And after he was, come here, man. The story came up and don't embarrass me like that. Wait, <laughs> 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 you know, I was talking about the mine here. But, yeah, well, man. but yo, man, it's, it's just the thing about this business. is that was the worst time. Because they never done that Chaboni type yet. There's some stupid yeah. idiot from me. That idiot Myers. Somebody he knew it. It would be like a Mopex to the Mopex out because he's born, born again idiots. I hate that. You know, oh, either yeah. you were that way the it, first it, time. Russell, but your favorite man is Tully Blanchard, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a, I would have loved to take him out. He would have been like a first lieutenant in Vietnam. What's the life expectancy of a first lieutenant in Vietnam? About 10 seconds. <laughs> I would have liked to have that battle. Yeah, Tully Branch is a preacher. Yeah, yeah, the preacher, born again, yeah. They all try to steal money. It's like you tell them, where does it say in the, in the Lord says the Bible, if you guys will holy roll read the Bible, it doesn't say to ask money for preaching. He never says that once in the Bible. Go beg people for money. No, you know. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something crazy, yeah. man. Because Billy Wicks knew, um, the, knew the original Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham. They both passed on now, and yeah. he told me a funny story about Billy Graham. Because, because Billy Wicks was like, "What are you gonna do? What business are you going into?" And he says, "I'm going into the religion business." Oh yeah, yeah. Going in the religion business to make money. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people go in there to manipulate and make money. And I always yeah. say, you know, I did a pro wrestling a, a preacher preacher promo where I said, and I'll do it right now for your for your for your class, a little promo um, where I said where I said, my fellow preachers, they be pimping from the pulpit. They make no Monday. They twist it on Tuesday. They wicked on Wednesday. They get on Thursday. They get preacher on Friday. They get sinister on Saturday. And Sunday comes around and they want to be sanctified. No, no, no. No. You are pivoting from the pulpit, my friends. Yeah, that's what they told him. All the time he was doing all that cocaine and everything like that, nobody twisted your arm. They try to blame it on people. All those cookies and <laughs> people do this, my peers do this. No, dude, nobody twisted your arm, put your nose down there to snort that kid up. You did it on your own. You did it on your own because you wanted to. Don't be blaming other people. You know, the devil, we all the on devil wasn't selling you the cocaine, Billy. Come on. No, hell no. They try to blame other people. No, we we make our own bed. We lie in it. If you're not mad enough to admit to that, then you're a coward. And Tully Blanchard was a coward. Of course, his daughter, Beth, what's her name? Beth, Beth Blanchard or whatever. Beth Blanchard or, or Beth Magnum. Uh, or, oh, they don't know. Daughter, they don't know. Daughter. Gee, poor girls don't know which one's daughter. Either it's Magnum or Tully. But they don't know which one it is. I'm saying, somebody asked me, I said, I don't know. She's half and half. Part Magnum, part Tully. I don't know. And if she, if she runs, then she must be Tully because she's got a yellow streak down her back. If she fights, it's got to be Magnum. I don't know. Man, I got to ask you to tell this because I've heard you tell this story before. And, and a lot of the reason you're heat with Tully Blanchard, and it's not just from the pro wrestling. When Tully Blanchard um, was in a situation where he got that yellow streak and he ran away, and the guys were, were 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 trying to stab you. Oh yeah, that was. We were at a Denny's restaurant right right when I first time I ever turned heel, which was like, thank God he did a lot of fun because it was a horrible heel trip. That was Tully's idea. He's trying to kill. You know, his dad was fantastic. Joe Blanchard was a great man. He paid oh, yeah. the boys good. Took care of the boys great. I loved the territory. The territory. We're, we're making two, four, five grand a week, cash money. You know, Jeff Tully got his wire up his ass and turned me heel and against Chavo Guerrero Senior, but. 
we was at a kiddie bar and having fun, and I had a t- one of the dancers with my girlfriend. She had a real good-looking friend with big old boobies, and we didn't know that one of her, her uh, boyfriend was a damn uh, outlaw biker. So we went to Red Match. Me and my girl went over there, and she came over there waiting on her biker, uh, dude, and, uh, and uh, Tully was looking at her tits or whatever, checking her out, talking about it, and her boyfriend walked in. I went to the bathroom at that time. When I came out, I seen a little circle of guys around Tully. I'm going, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, he goes, none of your fucking business. Get out of here. And I said, what the fuck's wrong with him? Tell him fucking talk to me like that. I said, oh, shit, I was fresh out of the country and shit. You going to talk to me like that? I said, I don't know. And the shit went on. I took him on thinking Tully was going to be my back. He had my six. Never had my six. But, of course, I was coked up so much. that was punching at me. I thought he was punching. I go, man, is that hard as you can hit? He was stabbing me. I didn't even know he was stabbing me. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn, he was stabbing the shit out of me. And then Tully took off running out of the Denny's after I started bleeding real bad. Realized I was hurt. I took off my belt buckle, that big old cowboy belt buckle boy, and whacked him upside his head. It sounded like a melon cracking. Oh, you can hear Tully going out the door going, He's got a nose! He's got a nose! He's got a nose! <laughs> I fought him off. I threw it through the window. I walked outside. Tully just bought a brand new Cadillac. And I told him, Come on, get, get me to the hospital before I die. And he wouldn't open the doors because he didn't want to get blood inside his Cadillac. So the, oh, uh, the, shit. Yeah. So the lady waitress, the waitress, the, the, the tennis doctor saved my life. She came outside that tourniquet because the knife went through my arm like four times all the way through. And it was bleeding so bad. She tied a tourniquet on my arm, you know. And uh, the next thing I know, I woke up in the hospital with my mom sitting there next to me because she was worried about her son or her baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> Great story about that. My mom wakes up, you know. And all the fights she seen me through and everything she went through, the Vietnam thing, the, the nightmares when I came home from that. And then I looked at her, tried to get something because all I had, my mom raised me, and never had that. She was always tough on me. That's why I was, ended up being such a good athlete. My mom didn't put up with shit. She made me work hard. And I go, look, mom, they tried to kill me. She looked at me, she goes, oh, you were going to die, so shut up. <laughs> oh, shit, you know. That's a wild, I love that story, man. That's a wild story. I got to tell you. You're talking about the bikers, and 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 I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell a little funny story here. Um, yeah, tell, tell. That happened down south here, where, where um, talk about bikers, man. And I was I was I was wrestling our, our good friend uh, the Beast Dan Severn on a show um, here in in, uh, in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah. yeah, man, we get out there. It was outside of Augusta, out in the country. Uh, a bit, and um, we got, and this girl had the biggest boobs, man. She had, and me and Brian love boobs, man. We love Damn right. Boobs, right, Brian? Damn right. Yeah, and this girl had the biggest, juiciest wreck, and she, and she started telling me, she's like, she's like, man, my boyfriend, he's, he's the head of our biker gang, and he's coming, and, and, and he's coming to find me, because I'm going to leave his ass, but he says, if I talk to any guy, um, he says, if I talk to any guys, he's going to cut them. And his guys are going are to cut them up. So, um, so I said, okay, baby. And then she goes, and then, and then, and then, you know, we fooled around a little bit there, uh, in the town. And she goes, well, she goes, she goes, will you sign my, will you sign my boobies before the show? So <laughs> I took out the big, I took out the big chunk and I signed right across those big juicy tent, Dan Stubborn. <laughs> You're too much. <laughs> <laughs> Did they come out to Dan? 
Uh, that's the whole point to get them to come after me because I didn't want to. You know, your shit, man. I don't want to part. I don't want to part of that biker gang. They come to train in the ring, the MMA and uh, pro uh, legit pro wrestling. But they all heard that story going nuts. Dan says I tell you a story about me and Dan. Me and Dan. I always mess with Dan. Dan. Me and Dan, everybody thinks we're serious, but no, we always have a going on Jones. I'm always going, what the fuck do you ever do for pro wrestling? You ain't done shit for pro Besides that, you're a crack I'll ruffle your pants off. So, <laughs> we're at Cauliflower Alley one time, right? And he honored Dan Cauliflower Alley. And I jumped up and I yelled at thing as loud as I could, what the fuck do you ever do for pro wrestling? Dan said, goes, man, why do you always give me a hard time? Because I'm going to kick your ass. And all of a sudden, I get tackled from behind. And somebody goes, God damn it, you better stop that shit before we start an angle right here. Guess who that was? That was Stone Cold. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. And then the son of a bitch sends me a pink bucket of beer. Pink bucket. I threw the bucket at his ass. Now, we got to ask you. You mentioned Cauliflower Alley, and we just had uh, the Brian Blair on the show. Do you know yeah. that? He took it over, finally. They finally got a march. All the marks were in there. They need to clean it up, get rid of the marks. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. Hey, I'll tell you a funny story. You know, remember Steve Williams after death? Yes, of course, yeah. Of course, yes. When he, when he, right before he died, me and him went there together because he asked me to come and he had, with that operation, he had that thing. And I always put my, my finger on my Adam's apple and talk to him the way he talked to me. And people would look at me like I was weird. But he understood. We understood. We were friends forever. So I'd always fuck with him like that. So one time we was over there and they were making his judge the marks rushing the ring, and she would sit there with that thing, <laughs> covered up his toes, like, get the fuck out of here, get out of here, get the fuck, get, 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 get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I said, Steve, calm down, no, no, get them fuckers out of there, get them out of there. <laughs> he was fantastic too, man, I miss him. I had so much fun with him in Japan, me and him wrestling, teaching, we'd pancreas, when they had the pancreas, me and him go after each other all the time. So we had a lot of fun, but oh yeah, man! What the hell? Yeah, I mean, God, you you've been all over the world, man. You yeah, Japan, Puerto Rico, uh, Mexico. What's your favorite? What, what's your favorite memories? Like, I mean, that's kind of a general question, but what would be like your top couple favorite stories and memories? Well, when we went to Russia and trained in Russia, Sambo Submission Wrestling in Russia, it was me and Brad Rangins. Remember Brad Rangins? Oh, nineteen eighty one. Of course. Yeah. Me, Brad Rangins, and, uh, and Bam Bam Bigelow. And I don't know why they have Bam Bam Bigelow come, but he don't know how to shoot at all. Yeah. <laughs> and he got ate up. So they put me with uh, Victor Hoshimikov, six-time world champion, two-time Olympic champion. They yeah. had me with him for that month. Man, this guy was kicking my ass every day. I mean, eating me up, spanking yeah. me, come back. And what made him mad is I'd be back every morning right there looking at him. And he'd kick my ass again. I'd come back every morning. Finally, he said, come back, you crazy. I go, no. I'm not quitting. You're not making me quit, dude. So finally, he got to teaching me Sambo submission and everything like that. We up to the big show. At the end, uh, Brad Rangers had Victor Sangui off, the two-time Olympic champion. They had yeah. a match. And I had the main event with me and Victor Hashimikov. So we get to go on and in the ring, right? On the mat, he was cool. In the ring, I blew him up. I blew him on the ropes. And I looked at him. I go, hey, Victor, my turn. I kicked him in the nest and suplexed a little fuck out of him. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something about Brad Riggins because I met Brad Riggins through to Eric Paulson, that uh, right. combat submission wrestling, and, right. and I met him and Bob Backlund, 
And uh, Bob was bad. Yeah, Bob, and we were, and, and I'm telling you, Bob Backlund told me, he said that Brad Riggins was at one point in time the best wrestler in the world, period. In the world. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you know what? Brian Reagan's getting a referee's position, and nobody ever broke him down, ever yeah. broke his referee's position. That's how strong he was. It was a funny story about me and Brad. Me and Brad were co friends because we spent that time in Russia. I knew Brad. He knew my background. He knew I wouldn't take no shit. He knew I'd end up beating the living hell. If he stretched me, I'd end up punching the living hell out of him. So we always had that admiration, respect for one another. In fact, he's the one that sent JBL to me to train. If JBL was so stiff on Brad, Brad. Got him. And when he came over and took over when Wahoo and Ray Stevens were booking, great. We were doing so good in the territory. We were picking it up because me and Wahoo were beating the shit out of each other. And we had Brad and we had Mike Enos, you know, the Beverly Brothers, Wayne yeah. Blue, Mike Enos, all that good shit. Yeah. Ray Stevens, uh, the Paul Diamond, Pat Tanaka, the, the, the Donut Boys, Diamond Dallas Page, who's in the Hall of Fame for, ch for chasing donuts, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Great guy, he was so pissed because I stretched him the night he came in from, uh, he came back and I came in from Japan and he was getting on Wahoo's ass about his booking. So they put him with me and I stretched a little crap on him. So he called in Rangan thinking that Rangan stretched me. So he was all happy and we had a match in Winnipeg, Canada, and it was so cold. And he thought, oh man, he's going to get his. He was stretched by Red Rangan. We went out there and I said, hey, like, take me over. And he got so freaking great guy, he went crazy because we just stayed in the headlock. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I got one yeah. for you guys. Not a lot of people know, and this is how I, you know, I, I got to know Brad Reggins a bit, and and Bob Backlund, who um, yeah. actually up in Connecticut, my home state, and it coaches up there. But the reason I got to know those guys was from Paulson, and that was when Paulson was training Brock Lesnar for MMA. But not a lot of right. people realize how instrumental and how close Brad Riggins. And Brock Lesnar are, man. Those guys yeah. are tight. They're real tight. And so, uh, uh, so was Mr. Anderson. And he was in a, uh, a Russian icon with me, and he asked me to come do his uh, seminar. Can you please come and help with me and my school do a seminar? I said, yeah, if you bring Brad Rangins, I'll do it for nothing. Well, I'll get Brad Rangins. Yeah, because I haven't seen Brad t since Russia in 20 years, 20 years or more. And I love to see him. I love to see him because... He was a great guy. I always just want to admire him. And there was a guy named Gary Albright. You guys remember Gary Albright? I do. I love Gary Albright's suplexes, man. I, I, I used some funky suplexes in pro wrestling. Oh, God. And, and he had some amazing suplexes. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my boy, man. He used to beat up Pater for me, even though I beat him up anyway. But Nebraska. He's a Nebraska wrestler. And shit, I yep. tell the story about Nebraska. I, you, I don't know how, how well you know Briz, Jerry Briscoe, but there's a kid I call I know him very well. Very, very well. No, him and Jack, they could rip me a new one when I was a rookie in 79. I had to ride with him. They ribbed me. They left me on the side of the road. He introduced me to cocaine. Short <laughs> this, I want to kick your ass. <laughs> well, I'll send, I'll send Briscoe this episode because he is so hard on this kid. Um, there's a kid I coached back when he was in high school that went on to wrestle in Nebraska. He won the Midlands tournament. He was runner right. in, in D1 Nationals the last two years. I was with Briscoe wow. at uh, Madison Square Garden at NTA Nationals. Not this past one, but the one fire about a year and a half ago, and he was so hot on this kid, man. His name is Tid, Tim Dudley, TJ Dudley, and he and and the kid has got the look. 
He looks like a like a Shelton Benjamin. He's 184. Oh, okay, great. Uh, college. Yeah, but he cuts down, you know, so he's he's walking around about about 200 solid, like solid. And and Briscoe loves the kid. But this is the thing I tell you. I'll tell your students, man. Tim Dudley's a great amateur wrestler. He was a phenom here in South Carolina when I coached him. But here's the thing. He is, does not have the passion for professional wrestling. You've got to have the damn passion for it if you're yeah. going to be a professional wrestler. Yeah, my kids have – and, you know, I work with two autistic kids. I told you that earlier. Yeah. And Aiden and, and with Jeremy. Jeremy's coming along great. Jeremy's got the fire for it. He's going to go down. and We're doing a show for uh, Wild Fire, Wild Fire, Tommy Rich, October 28th. Oh, nice. Down the Okay, kid, yeah, the wildfire, we're going down there, and Jeremy's going to be with me, and he's got family in Donaldson. He's, Donaldson. he's doing great. Uh, my boy over here, crazy, crazy, plum crazy. I'm going to call him the plum crazy. Jared Plum's here, Mike's here, uh, Ryan's here, James just showed up, all the five guys sitting around here listening to the podcast. These kids are going to learn how you come to the show, and you and me on Myrtle Beach, you know you're invited. Come down there and oh, check I'm out definitely the TV. Definitely good beer. There's no doubt about yeah. it, man. No, we're we'll definitely going to pull out some beers with all these. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to hope. <laughs> but and no, that's, man. That's my business, too. I work for a beer. To, I kind of like kind of like old, uh, old Dick Murdoch used to. I work for a beer and liquor distributor here. Oh, wow. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Uh, Murdoch, uh, Murdoch was the Coors Light ambassador. Yeah, he was a good. That's why we drink Coors Light. That's why we put a case of Coors Light in his coffin when he went up to heaven. So, you know, we, yeah. we, we all the old-timers like you and, and Stephen Bonner and Baroni, all them guys, we just stick together. We believe in one another, and we believe in our way. If you don't like the way we do things, get the fuck out of the way. Go play volleyball. Right. Go, go play softball with the girls. Do something. Get out of business. I mean, you know, we don't need that kind. We need the business to go back to being what it was. That's what I teach my kids here, the tenement for us and body progression, and that's what they go do. Go out there. I teach my kids how to shoot on a guy. The guy gets stupid. They control him. They're not going to. They never lose contact with the body. That way, they, the guy gets stupid. That part of the body they got, they're taking it down. They're going to take it down. That's my main thing. And that's the problem. The way that a lot of kids are are coming to the business or are trained. And I've told this story before on the show. And the way that I got into pro wrestling was right after college. Uh, we're talking over 20 years ago, and I was a. Uh, uh, I, I was. I was coming out of amateur wrestling, uh, and I was doing judo, and there was a school called the Kari Judo in Danbury, Connecticut, and it was all wrestlers, and back then, right. judo allowed lower body attacks. Which right, a lot of right. We talked with King Mo about, hell, we could freaking shoot single and double legs, and we could, right. we, were, we, were, we were basically just beating the hell out of these judo guys and, and, and wearing pajamas, and my buddy <laughs> Dave was doing it, and... Um, and my buddy Dave was going to Killer Kowalski School doing pro wrestling. And, oh, cool. and, and man, me and him were out there. And, shit, we went out for some beers after the after judo uh, school one night. And um, he was like, man, I'm doing pro wrestling. I said to him, I've been a pro wrestling fan since I was a little kid. I said, how in the hell do I get in that? And I will, and I'll say, you know, I learned a ton of stuff from Billy Wicks. I learned a lot from Dan. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you know great Mephisto, Frankie Kane. You know, he was a big influence on me, too. I, he gave me all his robes and stuff. But I, I picked up stuff from those guys. But my beginning in pro wrestling was with Dave and me and him. This was before Internet, you know, people sharing matches. Me and right. him wrestling each other all throughout New England, Jersey, 
New York. Cool. And we were going out there and we were wrestling each other. Yeah. You know, uh, and we and, and we were we were trying to put each other in the bad positions. You know, and and and, and we yeah, there was yeah, I mean, there was certainly we were it was and it got over a lot of shows. Get over with the people. Did it get over with the people? I don't bet it did. I mean, yeah, we, we we set a format up for matches that was it was a similar match every time, but like I said, it was before the internet, and that got, and that was and I went on and worked for a lot of other promotions, but but that was my introduction. That was how I got into it, right. and um and I think a lot of kids get into it doing nothing but running the ropes, and yeah, uh, and my kids don't do they that. don't know how to wrestle. Yeah, I take that away from. You do not use the ropes. I sit there and they go through their match like they did the arm match. Everything they go not what you've gone ten minutes. What have you not done? They go hit the ropes. I say yeah, you don't need them. No, no, of course not. We learn to wrestle first. We learn how to shoot into a wrestle, not wrestle into a shoot. We shoot first, then we relax. That way they know they were serious. That way we the best advice I ever got. Billy Wicks years ago introduced me to Dick Steinborn, and Dick Steinborn told me. He says you need to work a shoot. He goes, you're you're an amateur wrestler. He goes, the there way you, you go. get over is you got to work a shoot, and that's what I always try to do. Yeah, and you know that's what I did. If you see the earlier matches, me and uh, uh, Killer Khan uh, Killer one time in Florida when I won the belt with Terry, he tried to go behind me. <laughs> I don't like nobody going behind me. I shouted around behind him. I reached switch and everything. He tried to fall out. My lock, ankle locked him. And went around the back. Everybody's going, damn man, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> I just don't like that. being that amateur background. I don't like you trying to get behind me. You know, one guy right now, one of the early videos, he showed uh, my guy that put the fan page together. The guy went behind me, Swiss went behind me, and a cow catcher slammed him on his back and locked him up. I go, you just don't go behind people. There's no wrestling. <laughs> They're not going to be right. nice. You know? That's what the hell is yeah. my kids I mean, I mean, you know, the, the kids have got to learn, and that's one thing. Like you, met, we've talked about Susan Green, and she does it with her with her kids there. They, and she teaches them how to she teaches them how to wrestle. They've got to know how to protect themselves. But you know, oh, yeah. we, talk, we, we, we me and you have, have got a great talk. But I want to bring the snowman because I know he's a huge fan of the region. I want to turn this over to the snowman and have him ask. Snowman, what's up, question. bud? <laughs> Man, it's great having you on, but I remember, like like I said, I got hooked on the NWA. How much fun was it working with Ravishing Rick Rude when y'all had Ravishing and Raging oh back then? Oh, my God, dude. Talk, talk about it. Ravishing and Rude didn't know how to shoot like we did, but he had a right-hand combination that was ungodly. You hit you that right hand, you'd be out like, you'd be sleeping like one of the seven drawers. If you sleep in the seven drawers, you'd be out for a while. You know, Rick Rude was a natural... Uh, wrestling champion, two-time Petaluma world champion in Petaluma, California. And I'm the only other guy outside of Danny Hodge that could crush an apple record, that could snap a pair of pliers record. He could grab you, and it was... The, the greatest thing about Rick Rude, and I say it to this day, because the idiots think they know everything, he listened to me. When he got in the ring, he wasn't a superstar. He was nothing. He was the guy that they said was a gimmick. And he listened to me every time he was in there. I told him to do this. Right. Over himself, tagged me. Tagged me so I could fix his cluster fuck up. He laughed and tagged me in, you know, and I'd get on with it. I mean, he was great about his personality. He was super with me. He was the only thing that we ever argued about is when he go, can you not ever get out of one fight? Just go one day without getting a fight. <laughs> and I know there's too many idiots in the world. 
Oh, yeah, that's great. I got to interject something <laughs> about Rick Rude because uh, because it's kind of cool because um, I was at uh, WrestleCon. I had a table for Future Legend Apparel, which we want to encourage people to check out Future Legend Apparel. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I was there with the New York Badass with Phil Baroni promoting Future Legend Apparel at this past WrestleMania. But we were at the WrestleCon, and um, we – had a great rapport with Marissa Rude, who was Rick Rude's daughter. Who, oh my God, yes. beautiful girl, beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful girl. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, we talked to her about being the um, valet for the real shooters, and she was down with it. And she's kind of gone MIA since then. But like Stefan Bonner, I think said appropriately, he said, you know, she's got a boyfriend, and if you're gonna be surrounded by the New York badass the king of Connecticut and the American psycho on the road, your boyfriend's going to not, he's going to be a little uncomfortable because not only is he surrounded by, she's surrounded by sexier men, but they're sexier men that can beat his ass going on behind her back. <laughs> exactly. He told, he told the truth. He told the truth. Yeah. But she was a beautiful girl. Yeah. I noticed that she was, when she was little, when me and Rude, uh, you know, when they try to sign in, Ruth came to me and he said, what do I do? I said, you go make money. You're in this business to make money. Don't worry about me. I got my Japan deal. I got my 26 weeks a year. Go make money, kid. Just go make money. We always, that's why I always respected Ruth. I never had a problem with him. In fact, the funny story is the one time we were in Charleston, West Virginia, we were on an hour Broadway with Rock and Roll Express that night. We almost caused a riot. And that, me and Ricky Morton ended up going 47 minutes of the match. Right. I come in the picture with the Ruth, Ruth. We oh, man, you mentioned Ricky Morton, and, I, and I, God, I can't even count the number of shows in the South I've been on with Ricky Morton when I was doing oh, my yeah. Sheik gimmick. Man, the coolest thing with Ricky Morton, man, was I was working my Sheik gimmick, and right. I had this robe, um, and I and I used to have the stash. You know, I'm not Arab or anything, I'm, 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 but, I'm, but I am, you know, Sicilian descent, and, and a lot of people say I look like Cesar Romero these days. Yeah, yeah we do that, and you do. <laughs> but uh, but I used to do this chic gimmick, and one of my buddies um, from MMA that, that we've had on the show a bunch of times, Kamal Shalarus, he taught me how to speak some Farsi, and it doesn't really matter what you say, you know, because the people don't know anyway. But um, working the chic gimmick, and I and uh, I had Frankie Kane's old robes, and I'm in the back, and man, um, I was, and it was, and it was for Frankie Kane. Um, was still, I don't know physical shape he's in now, but it was, it was 10, 11 years ago when he was still, you know, I, 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 so vibrant. So I was in the back there with Ricky Morton and he's like, and he's like, brother, where did you get that rope? He goes, that thing is like from the fifties. And I said, you know, I got this thing from, uh, from great Mephisto from Frankie Kane. You know, he's one of my, one of my, uh, coaches, you know, years ago. And he's like, He's like shit. And then he told um, uh, Gibson, Rich, uh, uh, Robert Gibson came over, and he was like, he's like, he got that robe from Frankie K because they all knew Frankie Kane, you know, yeah, from yeah. back in the he's day. Yeah, big Memphis so, Yeah, so we called Frankie and we put him on the phone with uh, um, with the Rock and Roll Express. It was just really cool, really cool memory. But God, Ricky Morton had been on so many shows, and, and I think he's still working shows now. Yeah, oh yeah, he was. He uh, got me in the before communion. Show me me and Ricky Morton. Well, yeah, he's still a worker, so, you know, it's so farts, we can still go. I can still go. I had a great match with uh, Stroh Maestro, and then I had one with Cortez Castro from Lucha Underground. We tore the house nice. down, man. We tore the house down. He told some idiot, no, man, he's Lucha Strong. He's legit. 
And then the idiot told somebody, he goes, well, maybe he should retire. He didn't realize he had to run for me the next night, and I shot on him. I chicken-winged him, double-crossed him, stepped over, and I was leaning on him going, next time you tell somebody to retire, you better make sure they don't know how to really wrestle. And he couldn't breathe or nothing. <laughs> In my uh, that's, a, that's exactly my my mentality because what I say yeah. even to like the fans and this was something that that I learned from I learned from pops from Billy Wicks I tell fans this I tell fans simply this you know they go oh you know wrestling's phony I say there's nothing I am doing to my opponent in the ring that I could not do to you effortlessly if you step in this <laughs> ring. Real. That's why I can tell people like this, uh, Johnny Valentine said. Wrestling might be safe, but I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Think <laughs> about me, man. So if I get my hands on you, you're going to feel everything about me. But, yeah, all the guys are here. We're getting ready to do a training session. It's exciting to be with you guys. And I really want you to, to promote the October 28th, my start of my painting laughter in Myrtle Beach. Wildfire Tommy Switch School. There we're going to have a big show for painting laughter for my veterans. And then in Union, South Carolina, November 4th, which I hope you guys can make all of them. Because I'm really hoping to have lots of money saved up for my veterans for Christmas, so I can get them. I would love. To, I would. I, I would love to volunteer and not even pay. I would love to volunteer to broadcast those shows because I. Yeah. I yes. Them and, they, and I love that. Would be awesome to announce them. Call the boys coming. That'd be great to have you both. You and Brian there. That'd be awesome. You know what? Oh, man. You know and what? Your If you broadcast, if you broadcast that and get it done. I will make a. I I will. I'll come down. I will find a way to come down and do it. Fantastic! I would appreciate that. Okay, guys, we're gonna train. Thank you for letting me be on your show. Don't forget that uh, a lot of homeless veterans out there, Americans, uh, Americans, uh, you know, lifeline. The lifeline, the the pride and joy of Americans are veterans and the people who serve and protected our freedom, and all the guys that are right now deployed, and, you know, uh, my man Trump's going to kick some ass, some ISIS ass, I should say, and put right. Afghanistan back where it should be. If not, let's make it a pond. Blow them up and make it a pond. It'd be a nice pond to play hockey on over there. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And I just want to say, we talked about strip clubs early in the show. We talked about boobies, and we're going to hear from our sponsor from in Las Vegas, the Legends Room. We're going to hear from yeah. the Legends Room, Stephen Bonner, uh, in his ad, King's Court, and the King's favorite club, the Legends so, Room. Yeah, Legends Room. Well, we're here from Body Progression. It will promote Body Progression, legitimate pro wrestling. And I thank both of you, Miss Snowman and my man Matthew. And we'll see, see you all soon. And hopefully we'll be back on the podcast, talk to you again about painting laughter and uh, all that's going on, and Vicky Morton's going to do the stand-up comedy, and if you haven't heard him, he's pretty funny. As a stand-up act myself, and, and people laugh at this, um, because <laughs> I do some, I better do stand-up with the Beast, with Dan Severn, and one of the jokes mm-hmm. that I tell um, is that Dan helped cure my, well, I'll put it this way, he helped save my life. Because uh, because I was suffering from incurable insomnia, incurable oh, really? insomnia. I could not go to sleep. I tried to watch. I tried I tried hypnosis. I tried it all. But the only thing that cured me, I got a VHS tape 
of Dan right. Severn's greatest promos and greatest matches. I popped that sucker in and I fell asleep within 15 minutes. <laughs> I was out like a rock. <laughs> That's probably better if you pop in WWE nowadays. You're really going to sleep. Ain't that right, Snowman? All right, guys. Love you guys. Take care and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bull. Take care. Bye bye. Straight out, boys. Too handsome. He's too handsome for Hollywood. He's too sexy. He's too sexy for his own good. This is the King of Connecticut, Matt Granahan, host of The King's Court, telling you to go to the Amazon Kindle store and pick up a copy of my new book. Too handsome for Hollywood. The world, according to the suntan Superman. With the forward by the UFC Hall of Famer, Dan the Beast Severn. He's too handsome. He's too handsome for Hollywood. He's too sexy. He's too sexy for his own good. Yeah, $9.99. Pick it up today. Too Handsome for Hollywood. The Amazon Kindle Store. You'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm.